0: Wow, what a tremendous blessing, and I just feel like I'm in a season where the Lord is really blessing me with um, just little things that, you know, you just kind of, you think about it, and you're like, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, for example, and I was going to tell you this story last night, uh, we we have an old pulpit, and uh, this, uh we saw one, my son saw one on the internet, and he goes, Dad, what do you think about getting a more modern pulpit? And so we were like, yeah, 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 more modern, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds good, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, uh, he showed the picture to, to a friend of ours, whose dad is a metal worker, and he just loves to do things, and he built us one the next Sunday, and he had a plaque on there that says, New Hope, and all this kind of stuff, and uh and it was just so crazy and it was a beautiful just amazing like it was just something that when he showed me i said that'd be cool and god says well it's yours and then what happened was when we saw it he brought it It was amazing beautiful we were so blessed and i thought to myself man the only thing it's missing is a, a holder for the drink and the next sunday he said oh i forgot god put on my heart to bring you a holder for the for the drink <laughs> and he put it on there it's so, uh, so, and I'm not kidding. I came thinking about, you know, one day I'm gonna get break down and get some boots. And, uh, you know, just, you know, surprise y'all and come up, show up with boots. But man, what a blessing this was for me. Thank you so much. I received it with all my heart and, and just bless. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Paul Castanios, uh, pastor, uh, senior pastor of New Hope. Uh, I've been coming to Andrews for quite a while, and been very blessed to be here. This is family. Uh, I struggle a little bit sometimes because I gotta look through my notes. Because it's funny, every time I preach, I feel like it's so home for me that I have to make sure I'm not preaching the same things over and over again to you guys. And so I just making sure. So sometimes I will sound like a broken record, but it's something that the Lord's putting on my heart. Super blessed. Uh, this time because I got to bring my family with me, and so I have my whole family with me So we have a full house. We have our three queens. We have uh, Mama Queen who is uh, Miss Victoria who's with us And then uh, we have uh, yes, absolutely And uh, then we have uh, the newest member of our family, which is Jessica, who is my son Joshua's wife uh, She's with us And then we have Kenna uh, who is Joseph's significant other, and she's with us, and so we're super blessed, and then of course I have my two sons, so I literally have uh, three queens, and I was going to say two kings, but they're sometimes jokers, so, uh, so, but I have a full house here, so I'm super excited, you know, you never know what goals are until all of a sudden you travel with your family, and you're doing ministry, and you're like, these are goals. This is a real blessing for us, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to be traveling to Chile in July and uh, be ministering in Chile at some churches there. So this has been a really exciting... This is, you guys are the, the pilot voyage for us as a family, and they're going to be ministering to you guys later. All right. You guys ready? All right. New year, new challenges, and uh, I pray to challenge you this morning with, with a few things. Um we had a wonderful time uh, hosting uh, hosting uh, Larry and uh, Dwayne and Michael and Susan were with us. And we had an amazing time. And it was, it was really a special time to be able to protocol them. We do something called protocol. Whenever we have somebody come to our church, a minister, uh, we make sure that we honor them. And we don't honor them just in a way to just say, here's an honorarium. Uh, we, we bring things from our culture, from our from our heart to bless them and let them know that they are part of our family uh, it is not anything that we televise or try to talk about but we do it because we want to underst- we want people to understand that the bond between us and relationally is covenant it's not just about saying how oh, you yeah, i know larry and no 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 larry comes and we're family and we connect and we can be honest and sincere with one another um and you know those are really important things you, you don't that doesn't come a lot in ministry. You don't have that sincerity a lot of times. You have a lot of people that might know you, know about you, but you have very few people that really like you, <laughs> you know, and, and can talk to you and, and be with you and, and share with you. And so uh, we had a wonderful time. We had an amazing uh, opportunity. A lot of things came up that we, we weren't anticipating. One of the things that was special was that we got a chance uh David Hogan was actually ministering in California locally, and we got a chance to invite and bring uh, Larry and, and the group to, uh, to see David Hogan, and if you've never seen, it's, a, it's an experience to just go see him, and it'll challenge you. It'll challenge you because he's not, he's not conventional, and so he, he's, he does some things, he says some things that make you upset, and at the same time make you scratch your head like, okay, where am I? What's going on with me? And uh, really, really ask some important questions. And so uh, one of the things that that happened was he was telling a story. And in the story, he was talking about how he was late to meet his wife, or he was on his way to meet his wife, because he travels almost more than half the year. And he uh, was, he, he was going to meet his wife, and he said he wasn't about to break that appointment to meet his wife. And when he was going to meet his wife, uh, somebody called his phone. He didn't answer because he, he was like, I'm not missing this flight. And finally, the pastor's phone rings, and he answers the phone. And it's somebody whose son is gravely ill, dying. And uh, they said, can you? they're asking if David Hogan can go by. He says, I'm not missing this flight. He says, you go pray for him. But he's dying. And and, and they tell David, you're the only one that can pray for him. And he goes, whose fault is that? And he says, I got the same thing you got. I just use it differently. I tell you, I chewed on that for months. I seriously have. I've been chewing on that since we saw him. I've been thinking about that. Whose fault is that? That more doesn't happen in the kingdom through your life. Whose fault is that? Is it, it, has God lost power? Has the Holy Spirit not? Is this, we'll get there, okay? You guys ready? Let's look at this, okay? So, second <clears throat> Peter, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just wanna reference these scriptures, but I wanna make sure that you guys are, you guys are okay? Yes? Okay, you, you'll get over the shock of it in a minute, okay? So here we go, ready? And because, oh sorry, second Peter, one, I'm gonna have you guys write some things down. I'm gonna reference them really quick. We're gonna go, this is just my intro. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff that I'm gonna challenge you guys with this morning. Second Peter 1 4, uh, this is the new, tra- uh, new living translation. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Okay? In the message, it puts it this way. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know and personally and intimately the One invited us to God. The best invitation we've ever received. We were also given an absolutely terrific promise to pass on to you your tickets to participate in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. Think about that for a minute. There is a promise for you There is a promise for you to participate in in the divine nature of how Jesus walked on the earth. That's why Hogan could say, whose fault is that? But because of the price that Christ paid, you have a ticket. You are invited when you turn your back on the, the, the value system of this world. And here's the problem. We're still sitting in a place where we think that there's only a select few that can work and operate in the things of God. So we're always waiting for someone else to do it. Some of you have sat in church your whole life waiting for somebody else to do it. Well, why hasn't God talked to me? If God wanted me to do it, why doesn't He show an angel? Blessed are those that have not seen and still believe and act on that belief, and move within that belief. And so we keep having to ask ourselves this question. This is important. Am I settling for living below what I was created for? Are you okay with it? Are you okay that people are dying, getting sick, not getting saved, getting bound... Getting hooked on drugs. Is it okay that that's happening around you on your watch? You're good with that. This is important, folks. We're always wanting somebody else to rescue the community in which God has planted us, and we're looking for a Savior. Instead of being the Savior, like He is, be that way in the earth. See, I, I, I'm challenging my church this year. We're no longer going to... be, And, I, you know, I got challenged. Okay? We're no longer going to keep on this journey of becoming. We're going to start being. My, 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 my son made me this beautiful gift for Christmas. And in the gift, it's, it was my life scripture. And it was this picture of his warrior. And the warrior's kneeling in my life scripture behind it. The only problem was that he only got the last verse of my life scripture, and then he projected it forward. So instead of 5 through 10, he had 10 through 19. And so I was blessed, but I was confused. And I kept asking the Lord. I said, Lord, I love this gift. I love it. It's a beautiful picture, the way he did it, everything He, he put it. He framed it. It was amazing, but it was bothering me. And the reason it was bothering me was because it didn't have what I had developed and grown up becoming. And so the Holy Spirit told me, read it. And when I read it, it's the second half of my life. And the, the struggle was that I didn't want to accept the responsibility of having to grow up and face... That nobody has to keep telling me that one day I will become, it's now time to be. And sometimes we're in the church, tell me I'm free enough to do this. Tell me I'm free enough to do this. You need to start being and start testifying. of what. See, when we sing these songs, folks, be careful. Because you're declaring something that sometimes you're not living up to. I tell my church all the time, there's songs we sing, we're not there yet. That's why it's not all pumped up. That's why we're not all just, and you know, because we're not there yet. And I'll have people go, I don't know about that song, Pastor. Because it bothers you. It pricks you because you're not there yet. We okay? All right, I'm coming hard today, okay? I'm not mad, just passionate, okay? So, so... We have to ask ourselves this question. Am I settling for living below what I'm created for? Number two, are we collectively as a church truly experiencing God's presence and power to change our community? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Are we just trying to get a good feeling? Are we just trying to be okay? Are we coming to just try to get... Just a little bit of pep in our steps so that we can face tomorrow? I just gotta get refueled because man, you don't know my boss. You don't know my kids. You don't know how I live. What, what is this? Why, what are we doing here? Is God present? And if He is, is there transformation coming to our life? Are you really being transformed? Is there a new vision for your life that's not necessarily a new vision, but it is it is building upon what God has been doing. Why he saved you. Why he saved you. Come on. We have a, a lady in our church, her and her husband started a benevolence ministry. It has exploded. It's unbelievable. And there's just these layers upon layers of what God is doing in her life. And 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 so they're feeding the homeless. They're going out into our community. It's it's just an amazing thing. Well, the other day she's driving. And while she's driving, there was a lot of traffic, which is nothing new in L.A., okay? But there's a lot of traffic on her street. And so all of a sudden, while she's driving, she says that all of a sudden there's an accident that just happened. There's a guy laying on the floor, and there's, a, there's some people on the side. She says, Pastor, don't ask me why. I just felt I jumped out of my car, which you don't do in L.A. You just don't. <laughs> Police will get there. Ambulance will get. There. Don't worry about. It. No, but she jumped out of her car, ran over there. She says, "Are you okay?" The guy says, "No." And he says, "Can I pray for you?" The guy goes, "Yes, please pray for me. pray for me." She starts praying for him. While she starts praying for him, she said a, a vision of somebody else came to her mind that had that had drug issues, that she was helping the homeless community, and and she says. I know it wasn't him, but she just started saying, I break every addiction in his life. I break every this, that, and the other. And the guy goes, how do you know this? Uh And she just started praying over him. And then the guy goes, hey, 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 pray for her too. She's the one that hit me. She's messed up. (laughs) She ended up having a prayer time there. Once the police come there, they're like, lady, you got to move. Are you involved in this? She goes, well, I'm just praying for them. When she walked away, she goes, oh, my God, my purpose. I got purpose. Hold on. She's feeding homeless people. You would think that would be good enough. Oh, for some of you, I feed homeless. That's enough. But when something happened in front of her, she felt called to duty. And didn't take off. A, well, that's not a homeless person hat, so I can't really help them. I'm only equipped to give out blankets and food. See, I, I want to get to something deeper. See, here's, here's the there's, there's, a, there's a book I'm reading, and it's, called, it's, a, it's a book about Martin Luther King, and it's called The Inconvenient Hero by Vincent Harding. He was a contemporary, and he was a friend of Martin Luther King, and what he grapples with is this, and I'm, I'm going to go somewhere. You need to pay attention to this. He's grappling with the true meaning of, of of King's life and the message. He's confronting the deeper meaning of what King was fighting for, true freedom for all people at the cost of his own life. And he analyzes, he really looks at the issue of why the whole civil rights thing started. And one of the things that he's talking about is this. He says, he said that King really grappled with the fact that people were losing their life over a cause. Listen, don't don't let me, because this is important. And he talks about the American amnesia. That America couldn't handle the understanding of what King was really fighting for. So in order for us to be okay with it, it was reduced down to, I have a dream. So what happens is that's palpable. I have a dream. I have a dream too. I have a dream. Oh, You have a dream? I have a dream. See, we're the same. And what happened was, he grapples with the deeper meaning of his life, that he not only realized that people were losing their life for this cause, but he would eventually lose his life for his cause. And I'll say, okay, we're gonna go somewhere. This is important. Look at, and he quotes, and he talks about the fact that, that the, the persecution that he really suffered was because he was asking America to live up to the reality Of what it was and what it wasn't. To confront truth and love. Okay? To confront the reality of the brutality of the ideology that justified. Inequality, discrimination, hatred. And all in the background of I have a dream. People were being lynched. People were being were being turned hoses on them. You uncomfortable yet? We'll get there. We'll get there. Nudge the person next to you. Just say he loves you. He just he's just speaking truth right now. <laughs> King's challenge, and this is what I love. He talks about the fact that the challenge was to imagine a different future, but be willing to fight for it. In order for culture to accept the change, it had to be reduced. And this is what I love. He he gives a definition of love. Love, it is the urgent determination, commitment to open oneself to the deepest needs of others. Offering, healing, comfort, shelter, commitment to helping others, neighbor, to achieve their best selves through one's own sacrifice. And so he quotes this script, he quotes this poem, okay? And I, I I just want you to, I want you to hear this, okay? This is a poem by Carl Wendell Hines Jr. And it says this, and now, he's talking about King, and now that he is safely dead, and now that he is safely dead, let us praise him. Let's build monuments to his glory. Let's sing Hosanna to his name. Now, somebody already like, that's sacrilege. Relax. They're just using words to create imagery so that we understand. Sing hosanna to his name. Dead men make such convenient heroes. For they cannot rise to challenge the images that we have fashioned of their lives. It is easier to build monuments than to build a better world. So now that he is safely dead, we with ease conscience will teach our children that he was a great man. Knowing that his cause for which he lived is still a cause. And that the dream for which he died is still a dream. A dead man's dream. How does this apply to us? How does this apply to us? Christian amnesia. Y'all forgot where you came from. You all forgot the struggle because now you're sitting your butts on a comfortable little seat and you've got people playing worship so that, and hoping that you'll engage. Hoping that the song is good enough for you to be, for, the, for, for them to be worthy to, for you to open your mouth. Catchy enough so that you can go, that was a good worship time. Christian amnesia, we reduce the gospel, worship, times of, of coming together. We turn them into stories so that we can celebrate, so that we can revere them, so, so that there's reverence. We build monuments. We fight for them, claiming God did it. We reduce the gospel to a set of rules that keep us in a proper alignment so that we will be guaranteed heaven so that we won't go to that bad place. We've forgotten the price that was paid for salvation. See, I want you to understand something. Creation was easy for God. Creation, he just, he, he thought it, he spoke it, it was done. Salvation cost him his one and only son. That's why Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself, set apart as a living sacrifice. You've heard this. You know this. This ain't new. This is not new to you. I'm going to say something you guys have heard a thousand times. You've heard other preachers say it. You've heard it, you've heard it in, you've heard it in different contexts. And it's like, Oh man, that's good. That's, yes, living sex. What does that mean? How do we live this out? How are we teaching our kids that this is just routine? This is just a thing, kids. Hope you grow up in it. It's safe. Have we reduced the gospel to a dead man's dream? The concept of Christ versus the living reality that he's alive. You ready? Here we go. Luke 11. Luke 11, starting with verse 33. Starting with verse 33, it says this. And again, I have the Passion Translation. No one would think of lighting a lamp and then hiding it in the basement where no one would benefit. The lamp belongs on a lampstand where all who enter may see the light. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. When your heart is open, the light floods in. When your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate darkness. And it takes place, it's place. When your heart is, con- when your heart, uh, when, when your heart and consider my words, open your heart and consider my words, watch that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. Be careful of being caught up in your own opinion of yourself. If your spirit burns with light, fully illuminated, this is verse 36, with no trace of darkness, you will be a shining lamp, reflecting rays of truth by the way you live. Now, this is where Jesus gets real. After Jesus finished saying this, a Jewish religious leader, one of the separated ones, asked him to come to a meal in his home. And when everyone had been seated at the table, the religious leader noticed Jesus hadn't performed the cleansing ritual before he began eating. He was shocked. He was shocked. Some of you probably are shocked that I didn't pray before I started. <laughs> and it bothers you. It bothers you a little bit. But some of you are bothered that I'm talking about Martin Luther King and not talking about Jesus. Jesus. Some of you get bothered because it didn't start the way you wanted it to start. And Jesus comes and the Holy Spirit comes to turn over your apple cart. So that you understand something. We are living in a moment that requires your complete and utter attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying right now. We cannot be playing games and allowing this to just be a ritual this just be something that 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 just happens and and it, it, we have a term i told you guys this before in spanish see si dios quiere if god wants dios si quiere god does want but you need to open up your ears and hear what god is asking you of you see you, you think you think god wants ritual god doesn't want ritual he wants obedience okay you ready and there, this is what the lord says this, look i love this I, you know you folks Nothing's meaner than truth, man. I'm serious. Nothing is meaner than truth if if it's not spoken in love. And and so look at Jesus. Look, Look at His answer. The Lord said, You Pharisees are religiously strict to your customs and obsessed with the peripheral issues. You are like the ones who wipe clean only the outside of a cup or a bowl and leave the inside filthy. You are foolish to ignore the greed and the wickedness within you. Shouldn't the one who cleans the outside also be concerned with cleaning the inside? If you free your heart of greed, showing compassion, true true generosity to the poor, you have more than clean hands. You will be clean within. You Pharisees are hopeless frauds. For you are obsessed with the peripheral issues like paying meticulous tithes on the smallest herb that grows in your garden. These matters you should do. Yet, when you unjustly cheat others, you ignore the most important duty of all to walk in the love of God. Readjust your values and place first things first. You Pharisees are hopeless frauds. I mean, how how long would you sit around here and somebody telling you you're a hopeless fraud? Yet truth had them they were looking <sighs> for you love to be honored before men with your tie with your titles of respect seeking public recognition as you aspire to become important among others you pharisees are hopeless again come on get off of it as he's trying to t- he's trying to knock on their heart your true character is hidden Like an unmarked grave that hides the corruption inside, defiling all who come in contact with you. Just then a specialist, an interpreter of the religious law, blurted out, But teacher, do you not realize that your words insult me and those of my profession? You're being rude to us all. And Jesus responded, Yes, and you are also a hopeless fraud. You and the experts of the law you crush people beneath the burden of obeying impossible religious regulations, yet you would never even think of doing them yourselves. What hypocrites! This is all Jesus, man. This is all Jesus. What hopeless frauds! You build monuments to honor the prophets of old. Yet it was your murdering ancestors who killed them. The only prophet you'll honor is a dead one. In fact... By erecting monuments to the prophets they killed, you demonstrate your agreement with your murdering ancestors and bear witness to their deeds. You're no better than they. That accounts for the wisdom of God saying, I will send to them apostles and prophets. Through some they will murder and others they will chase away. This generation will be held accountable for every drop of blood shed by every murdered prophet. From the beginning of time till now, from the blood of Abel, who was killed by his brother. Do you realize he says Abel's a prophet? See, sometimes we, we, we want to hold people in the, in the office of prophet because they prophesy. Abel's life prophesied. You can be prophetic if your life speaks of God. We are a prophetic people. What you, how you live is, is, a, is a prophetic word to somebody. Yeah. And for us to reduce it to, to, I don't have a word for you. Um, um, just uh, Man, I guess I'm just a worker. You're prophetic if you hear God's voice and you obey. Here we go. This generation will be held accountable for every drop of blood from from the blood of Abel who was killed by his brother to the blood of Zechariah who was murdered in the middle of the temple courts. Yes, the blood guilt of all your ancestors will be laid before you in this generation. You are nothing but hopeless frauds, you experts of religion. My gosh. How, How much can you take? Jeez. You take away from others... The key that opens the door to the house of knowledge. Not only do you lock the door, you refuse to enter in. You do your best to keep others from the truth. The religious leaders and experts of the law became enraged and began to furiously oppose Him. They harassed Jesus all the way out the door, spewing out of their mouth hostility, arguing over everything He said, wanting nothing more than to find a reason to entrap Him in His own words. I'm going to talk more about it tonight, but there's a scripture that says this. No, I'm just going to. Hmm. You guys okay? I need to take a breather. Jesus calling me a hopeless fraud gets to me after a while. you feel that? Do you, I mean, do you feel the weight of that? No, let's be real. Do do you feel the weight of the fact that you could be a fraud? Does it make you more grateful for the the grace and the love of God? For the sacrifice? We, We have to come to a place where we begin to understand. This is not about beating you up, folks. This is not about beating you up. This is about coming into a truth that there is something that God has required of you. And and what He requires of you is a surrender that takes you beyond how you were raised. That takes you to a surrender beyond your culture, beyond, beyond this ideology that, you know what? I've been in church my whole life. You can't teach me nothing new. I can't be taught anything new. I've seen this. I've done that. I've been there. I, you, know, you know how many people have come and told me, I am the way I am. Well, you better change. Amen. You better change because you're in trouble. And I'm not talking about making an effort. Tonight I'm going to talk about something really important in terms, of, in terms of what God is. And I'm not saying that to bait you, okay? I'm not saying that to bait you so you come back tonight. You come back tonight, well, that's not my business. That's between you and the Lord but but i want us to understand this i'm going to just share one scripture from tonight that i need you guys to see 1 john 4:17 No, I'm sorry. Let's do a seven. For, I, I'm going to do both, but I mean, I just, First John 4, 7, and then tonight I'm going to do four seventeen. But it says, those who are loved by God, and verse seven, verse seven, those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another. Because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of Him. Did you, this is so important. Those who are loved by God, let His love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Everyone who loves is Father. That's a, such a powerful... There's, there's a difference between being a son and being fathered. I have a dad, but I choose to be fathered. I, I, I love my dad. He's my dad. Can't change that. But it's different if I'm fathered by him. When I'm fathered by him, I learn his value system. I, le- I learn how, what he values. I learn his heart for people for situations, for things. I want to end with this scripture here. (coughs) Luke 5. Again, again, again. These are things that you guys have heard a whole bunch... How many of you, every scripture I've probably touched on, you've heard it at least once. You've heard it, at, it's been preached in this church at least once. At least once. You've read it, you probably have it highlighted in your Bible.
1: <sighs>
0: Luke 5, starting with verse 38. I have the voice translation on this one. <laughs> I love what, how it starts. It says, new demands new. Hmm. New doesn't suggest new. New demands new. New demands new. There is a dimension in God that you don't understand and is new to you. It demands new of you. It demands change, adjustments. It demands (laughs) repentance. It demands a shift in mentality. It demands of you. When you, when you, when I, what I'm gonna share with you guys tonight, it says, it says, living in God creates this, opens this. But there's a demand on you. You have to adjust. You have to change. I'm not talking about you changing, I'm about, it's about letting the Holy Spirit change you. New demands new. New wine for new wine skins. Anyway, those who, who've never tasted the new wine won't know what they're missing. They'll always say, the old wine is good enough for me. Old wine is good enough for me. Old wine is good enough for me. And, and, and here, herein, herein lies the issue because we all know right fermented aged wine is better it's better than new wine is it not but it's cared for it's it's nurtured wine has to be has to be cultured it has to be it has to be watched over it has to be moved bottles have there's there's things that have to be turned There's some things that need to be shifted in your life because there's too much soot at the bottom and God needs to just show you. There's some thinking, thinking you got that needs to change. Listen, I want to be careful because sometimes when I preach this, people think that that I am saying, you need to be accepting of everything. That's not what I'm talking about. My sister has been... uh, Last time I was here, I shared a little about my sister. She's going to be... Uh, going she's going to be moving to chile to start a house of prayer that is also going to be a house of refuge for for uh, people that are in the red light district in that area and so she's uh she's been going to tj which is only two years two two hours from where we live and uh, she's been going to a house of prayer there and she's been going to the red light district that's right across the border and she's been she's been going, visiting, and taking a group of our people there. And uh, they've been going around, and what they do is they have two hours of worship and prayer. Then when night comes, they go out to the streets, and they take little gifts, little cards, and they go to the prostitutes there, and they just walk by them, and it's pretty dangerous. Uh, because the cartel run it and there's guys that are there and a lot of crazy stuff there And so they have to be very careful But they go to the girls and they they give them a card or they give them something a little gift And they say, can we pray for you and they allow it because it keeps them happy And so my sister's been going my sister's been been there And so uh, she's been taking a team and they've been walking through and they and it said it's heartbreaking <laughs> It says heartbreaking you see all ages from kids all the way up to to older women, and, and she says you just you're walking through, and and um and, and we have some men that go just to protect, just to watch, just to be careful, and we, they can't go in trying like they're gonna fight. They just have to be praying. And as they're walking in, then they approach the girls, and as they approach the girls, they'll tell me, you know, can we can we pray for you? Is there something we can pray for? And my sister was laughing because she said, man, I. I have to learn so much because it's not, we're not dealing with church folks. She says, because when I asked one of the girls, you know, what do you need prayer for? She goes, yeah, I need my business to go up. And she was like, she's like, uh. And, and then she goes, and so my sister started talking to this girl, and she started saying, is there something I can pray for you about? And, and, the, and she said, no, not really. I'm, and my sister got a word of knowledge, and she said, you have a problem with your back? And she goes, yeah, my back's killing me. And she says, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah, please. And she said, pray for me. And she starts praying for her. She said, what are you doing? I feel something in my back. She said, I feel heat in my back. And she said, what couldn't you do? She said, I couldn't bend down. She goes, go ahead and do it. She goes, I couldn't do this. And she, The Lord healed this girl's back. She says, hold up, hold up. And she calls another one of the prostitutes. Come over. And She says, she goes, pray for her. She's in a lot of pain, too. So my sister said, okay, and then prays for her, and she gets healed. And then she's like, hold on, hold on, hey! And she starts calling people over, and they had to be careful, because they were starting to draw a little bit of a crowd, and all of a sudden these people start coming over, and our, our team started to disperse among them, and just start praying for needs. No. No altar call.
1: There
0: was no. There was no. They got saved first, then they got healed. New. New demands new. Is this okay? I'm not here to tell you it's okay. I'm telling you my struggle as a pastor, as a leader. God's touching people that I wouldn't. Oh, come on. When God touched somebody, you wouldn't. Is that fair? Is it fair? What? Some of you shouldn't be here. And some of you are looking at them like it ain't fair. Well, I'm glad you're here. Just don't take my spot. Right? Right? Because because we're on this totem pole, right? Been in this church for 25 years, bless God. You're new. Wait in line. We don't say it. We do think it. New demands new. New demands new. Be careful of saying the old wine's better. I don't care about the new. Just give me that old time religion. Right? Right? Yes? Yes? Because that's where I'm safe. That's where, I'm, that's where I know. That's where I'm confident. That's where I can handle it and manipulate it and tell people that when God confronts me with truth, I can rebuke that according to the word of God. Because it doesn't fall within the parameters of my comfortability. God's been doing some stuff in my church that just bothers me. It bothers me. I you, we're not going to be honest. That's fine. I am. <laughs> there's some stuff that happens in my church that bothers me. Not because there's disorder, because God's moving away. Really, you got to scream like that? You gotta, You got to get all loud? Just trying to have a moment with God, (laughs) trying to be holy right now, and you're taking my attention. Really, in the middle of while I'm having a moment, you're going to change songs? God's going to start using people that just walked into my church, and I've been here And doing this and doing that for years. And now, this guy barely saved God. Okay, okay, we'll just chalk it up to beginner's luck. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. Beginner's luck. And so then I, as a seasoned person, will come over and say, you know, in the beginning, it's good. And there's just going to be moments in your life where it's just not going to happen like, like right now. So just enjoy it. <laughs> Being the seasoned veteran that I am. It's important that I let you know the struggle that's coming. Brother, hang on. <laughs> enjoy it while you can. <laughs> Why did I do that? To, to somehow ease my conscience. To somehow ease the fact that God stopped working in me. And that's why they engage in these arguments with Jesus to try to trap Him in His words. You hate the people that tell you you can do it. (laughs) It bothers you. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. And we hear testimonies of how somebody did something a certain way, so we try to duplicate it because we think it's a formula. And we try to create these formulas, and when we try to create these formulas. And new (laughs) demands new. There's a change that has to happen in your life. There's an adjustment that needs to take place. Some of you are sitting on monuments of your faith. Some of you have built these monuments and you go, Oh, this is, yeah, this is my history. This is my story. This is my song. Right? And so, so I don't need the new. I don't need the new. I got the old. I got the old. That's good enough. I don't even know what I'm missing. That's fine. I don't mind. I don't care. I got a monument. I have a monument that I built. Your testimony should be new every day. The fact that you got up and you have breath should be a new testimony. Quit talking. Yes, I know God saved you out of stuff. Great. Good. What's happening today? What's new today? Amen. See, because here, here's, the, here, here's the thing. The church has told you that you're only as good as your testimony. Yes, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. But the testimony is not your history. Your testimony is, man, I got up today. I feel Jesus. I feel presence. I wanted to get depressed. I can't because Jesus is on me. I wanted to be discouraged. I can't. Because I got something to do. Someone needs me. Someone needs me. I got to get up out of this bed. I need to get to work, which I don't like because I'm not working for a check, but I'm working for him. And when I'm there, and when I'm there, God uses me. New demands new. And so every day is new. And it demands a new mindset of me to go. I'm not here for the check. What's my assignment, Jesus? Holy Spirit, who are you telling me to? Who are you telling me to minister to? Who are you telling me to open up hope in? Well, how do you know if they're... Re- new demands new. Quit judging based on your monument. Quit, base, quit, quit, quit basing your, 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 your obedience on your monument. To, I've never seen it done. Monument, is this okay? Quit quit trying to promote a dead man's dream. Jesus is alive. Amen. You think Jesus is stuck in the past? You think you think Jesus has gone, man? I wish the church was like it was fifty years ago. <laughs> you wish that. Hello? You wish that. He doesn't. Too modern for me now. Fancy drums. Oh, my goodness. Right? They are. I'm super jealous, by the way. I'm super jealous. Yeah. Okay? I just confess something, I let it go. And I already took pictures of it, okay? Do you understand? We get stuck in these places where we build monuments and we don't want to receive the new of what God's doing. Uh, monuments to our doctrine, to our theology, to our understanding of how things should work. We have monuments that, that we sit there, and we don't realize we have an amnesia of how some of those monuments got built and on whose blood and who we oppressed to, to build it. Wow. Uh, I'm just going to let my team bless you. The team's going to come and they're going to do a song for you. And after that, we're going to do just a time of blessing you. New demands new. Some of you, God is calling you to get a new wineskin, to get a new perspective on what God is calling us to in this hour. And I pray that you be blessed as the team comes. this is the invitation today this is this is this is not even something about you guys know this you know this Paul said things that he begged them I beg of you give yourself as a living sacrifice which is reasonable it's reasonable You know this. What God is asking of you is reasonable for what He brought you through. Is it not? For what He brought you through, it's reasonable. For what He saved you from, it's reasonable. But there's a new flame that He wants to burn in you. There's a new flame. Trust me. I have generations in my family. I trust the. I, I. I. I'm blessed. I honor the old flame, but there's a new flame that God wants you to carry. I have. I have history of pastors and leaders and people in my family. I. I. I, I understand that, but I'm. I'm not building a monument to them. I love them. I respect them, but there's a new flame that God is asking you to carry. And so I love what the song says. It says, I put down my old flames to carry your new flames. And that's what the, the call is today. To lay down your old flames and pick up the new flames. You may not know how to work the new flames, but He'll, the Holy Spirit will show you. He'll teach you. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for just, you're here. <laughs> you're here. God, corporately, corporately, we don't want to live Beneath Your promises. Our communities need change. Our communities need Jesus. Our communities need salvation. They need deliverance. They need freedom. They need love. But Lord, You're calling us to carry a new flame. Holy Spirit, You're wanting us to understand That this is a new day, a new hour. And there's new flames that you're releasing on the earth. There's a new flame that He's releasing on the earth. A new passion. Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning, this afternoon already, and you said, you know what? I'm going to lay down my old flames and I'm going to carry this new flame. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit teach me some things. I'm going to be open to my leaders and to, to the prophetic voices in this hour. If that's you, I want you to come quickly. Come quickly. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to bless you. Hey. Hey, Jesus. Hey. Hey.